Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. Hey, hello. hello How are you mate. doing? Hugsy, How welcome are you? to Twitch. Yeah, I'm good, mate. Welcome to Thank my disco you. shed. How are you? I'm loving the disco shed. It's a lot more sparkly than what I've got going on. <laughs> I keep wondering whether to take the sparkly out and just kind of put black, just kind of keep it a bit more meat, but... I don't know how the sparkly sets it off. How are you? How's the last few years been? Like, how have you weathered... How's the, how's the pandemic been for you? Uh, it's been It's been kind of, you know, a bit... Pluses and minuses, I guess. Obviously, the minuses are pretty obvious, like no touring, all that kind of stuff. But like in a lot of ways, it was kind of quite nice. So about nine months before the pandemic, I, I had my first kid. So actually, the pandemic allowed me to kind of watch him grow up, whereas oh. normally I'd kind of be away a lot. Um, so that was really, really good. Um, kind of actually being around, being present for him first walking and talking, which I might have been, but you know, when you're touring, you're kind of in a different headspace a lot, if every every weekend anyway. So that was actually really good. And then also it kind of re refocused myself musically as well. I felt before the pandemic, I was just trying to get on every big label I could rather than actually think about what I wanted to write. So obviously when the dance floor went away, it kind of made me realise actually, you know, let's refocus and like find out why I make music and why I love doing this to start with rather than just being like tick the box on that label tick the box on that label so kind of refocused started writing songs again which is something I always wanted to do and then kind of went away from it because obviously you know songs aren't as popular or at least they weren't especially for the last few years on the dance floor so it's quite hard to do it so I spent time rewrite like writing some songs getting into some sessions ended up signing to Ultra um, in January last year um, and then the first single came out in like August or something. It took ages, but um, yeah, so it, it was kind of a double-edged sword for me. Like a lot of people I know just w- went down a, a, a bad rabbit hole, but I thought actually let's use this as time to be at home and, and you know, use it for positive. That's amazing. Um, congrats on the ultra thing. I definitely want to talk about that in a bit. Uh, and congrats, massive. Firstly, congrats on the birth of your son. That's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, he's a handful, two and a half now. <laughs> oh wow, that's a fun age. Oh wow. Before we talk new music, in, f- in fact, this, it leads on nicely. I want to talk about um, old music, really old music. I don't know if you remember this. Nearly ten years ago, my daughter was born. In fact, this long seemed well nicely. I didn't even know it's going to happen. And I and I literally had her in one arm, and I was like, literally, like she'd come home the day, and I was like, right, I've got her here. She's there. She's asleep. Cool. Right, let's do some music. And I literally clicked play on like. A track and it started playing your record which was um let it go obviously a long time ago and i was like i tweeted you and i was like this is the first record my daughter's heard this is amazing like and obviously the <laughs> the, the, the lyrics obviously lent into it so well and i was like a tear rolling down my face and like <laughs> nice <laughs> and then, yeah, um because obviously the lyrics first time i heard so i heard you and i was like oh wow this is cool um yeah. and then, so i tweeted you and then you sent me the vinyl so firstly thank you because obviously that track's been so much to me and it's such a long for such a long oh, well, that's time that's really so. nice to hear yeah like i said but just before we came on you mentioned that i'd, I'd completely forgotten so it's nice to be reminded of that for sure it's yeah it's quite serendipitous about what we were just talking yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> that did that record kicked everything off for you didn't it that was like this this yeah basically i mean i'd been releasing i think that came out in 2011 or something i mean you probably know better than me 2012 yeah <laughs> 2012. <laughs> okay yes yeah. so it's 10 years 
Um, so, and so before that, I'd been releasing on like you know a few labels, and I was starting to do like from about 2010, I guess, like one or two weekends in a month, or like you know a couple of shows here and there, um, through my releases on Suba and Cecile. Well, funny story about how that got signed, but also before that came out, I put out this EP on a thing called At Natural, I think. And uh, it was basically going to be my last EP because like, I was playing a little bit, but I wasn't really paying the bills and I was still at home and I was like, right, I need to like change where I'm at. So this EP was going to be my last one. And then Dear Sandrom ended up playing one of the tracks from that a lot called Shower Scene, which kind of started to get me back into it. And then I made Let It Go in probably like, I made the idea in like, probably 20 minutes and then it took no me about another two minutes to like actually elongate and it into the tune and bathed about another two hours or something. And then that, it's basically, that's how it, that was it. I never really touched it again, but um, I got booked to play at Glade festival um, in the hypercolor ice cream van. Nice. And um, yeah, it was good. It was good. I mean, they were my friends anyway, and I'd done releases for them on um, losing Suki and just like, at that point and anyway so i ended up playing it on this ice cream van and jamie russell heard it and like signed it on the spot basically and then obviously that then when that came out that was kind of like took me into touring every every weekend basically and then box clever followed like a couple of months afterwards and then you know the rest is history as they say i guess Amazing. So I'm going to play it. I hope you don't mind because it is. I such a love to this track, and I, I've, been waiting, I've been waiting to have this interview with you for such a long time that I thought I'm going to play the record. <laughs> yeah, um, go for it. All right, cool. I haven't heard it for ages, so be interesting. I was listening to it this morning. And I was like, oh, memories would come flooding back to me. My daughter being young, it's well lovely. Right, let's play this. <laughs> I still love that record man that's such a record still it sounds no, nice amazing one, man. yeah i still like it actually it's one of the few ones that like i don't know I, i'm my own harshest critic i suppose but yeah obviously for different reasons but that track will always be quite close to my heart um because yeah kind of <laughs> allowed me to do what i wanted to do <laughs> and actually get make a career out of it rather than just do it as a hobby that's amazing i didn't realize it was like that seminal that's that's mad I'm glad we played it now. <laughs> Wicked. Yeah, me right, too. <laughs> let's play, let's talk new music. So you signed for Ultra. Um, for the up-and-comers in the audience and want to establish the sign to these established brands, how did how did that how does that even happen for you? How does that like how does that process work? And yeah. Um, well, so with Ultra, it's um 
Well, I, I, I've actually been signed to them as my publishing for a few years. Um, so I kind of already had a bond with them. But um, what, what what kind of happened, but obviously the recording side and the publishing side is quite different, even though mm. my A&R at the time, who's now gone, was working for both. And it was, it, you know, it's a bit more of a process than obviously just sending demos. You have to send a few ideas, basically. I, sent, I think I sent like 10 tracks to him, and out of those 10 tracks, they actually only picked one. But because they could see, you know, um, a kind of future, they they want a much bigger deal. So essentially, they sign you in options. And my first option is like five tracks and then another five tracks and then an album. And each time, you, if you do well, then they'll pick up the option. If not, they'll obviously drop you and let you go. But... It's a, it's a, obviously a lot more people. Normally, you just have one A and R saying yes, I want to sign it. With them, you have to send it. They have a meeting every week, go through every tune they're sent, and then it's a yes or a no. So it's quite a slow process compared to like your underground signings and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I've been doing this for quite a long time now. Even before two thousand and eleven, twelve, when it like we were talking about before I was doing garage before so I've kind of been around a lot mm. but this is the first time I've actually signed to a you know quote unquote major label um in my entire career apart from for a few remixes so the process was all very new to me as well normally I just send a tune extended mix you know <laughs> bit of a club banger they'd sign it tell me the release date and then bang but whereas this you know you go through meetings discussing in depth the artwork and the direction and like, you know, creative direction. And then you have to make, you have to make sure they all fit in their release plan, your release plan. And obviously, you know, I, I, because my deal's a bit different, I get to release on three other labels a year uh, right, or, cool. or during the term. Um, but obviously a lot of people don't get that, especially if you're a vocalist and stuff, it, it's a bit harder, but because of where I was in my career, obviously I had a bit more of a, negotiating power so um it, yeah but it's been really good it's been really good but there's been a bit of a shake-up over there so we're now just kind of starting to work with a new team um and so we'll see how it goes from there really that's cool do you those with those 10 ideas were they were they completed or were they kind of sketches mm. like yeah most of the, the they weren't fully mixed i would say but most of them were pretty done but what, what something that is really important for people like Ultra. Obviously, Tim Panali doesn't really have a vocal sample, but everything else has vocals. So it's like you can think that you've written the best song ever and you'd be really happy with the vocal and you send it and that then like two of the A&Rs be like, no. So then you have to go back and rewrite a little, like a verse section or whatever, and it just makes it a lot longer process. And it's actually been really quite refreshing because like, like I said, the A&R process isn't quite stringent with underground labels. So, mm. but what you end up actually with a product, final product is actually something that's probably is a lot better, even though it can be really fucking frustrating when you think <laughs> you've finished a track and then they tell you, no, that bit shit, change that. And you're like, oh, God. so, but yeah, it's been, it's been really, it's been really interesting for sure. So you signed in the January, then the track came out in the August. Was you signing the deal? That was the tracks ready, or so the process before that was a bit long, a bit further before. What's? I'm just trying to understand timelines. Uh, so okay, so we sent those. We sent those tracks. We kind of started talking to them actually when the first lockdown happened. So yep. whenever that was, and then we sent a few ideas, um, and then it just took quite a long time to 
once they were actually into it, which I guess was September or something, then it yeah. takes loads of time to actually get the contract right. So you've got to get a lawyer and stuff, which obviously, <laughs> you know, Fun. is what it is. Actually, my lawyer, <laughs> my lawyer's Judge Jules, funnily enough. <laughs> um, but uh, he, so that takes longer. So that's why it took till January to sign it, even though they probably said yes in September. And then they loved Tim Pan Alley, but then they actually tried to change it and add loads of vocals and it just didn't work. So it ended up just coming out kind of as it was. There, then from those 10 tracks, I can't, I can't remember exactly the ones that I sent, but um, I think most of them are now being scrapped, basically. Wow. Um, and it's just, it's just a case of, uh, yeah, then keep sending them ideas. Luckily, you know, I write quite a lot anyway. So if they turn something down, it, it, it pisses me off at the time, obviously, and then I move on and I write something else. And actually, out the fo- they they've accepted like eight tracks for this five five options. So, you know, Sick. Um, it was pretty pretty good. But it's just been quite a slow process as well because normally I'm used to releasing stuff quite quickly after I make it, but that doesn't really happen because they've got to fit it into the schedule. They've also they're getting it mixed by someone else, um, a pop mixer a guy called chris allen has been mixing them so it's just um just a longer process man and then sometimes when man enough came out i i, I did that as an as a joke in january as well actually but didn't send it to them until like i don't know god knows but because we had to clear the vocal on that which because it's a tony bratzer vocal obviously that made it take a lot longer as well so yeah it's been a process but it's been good i'm glad i did it for sure I got a question. So w- with that process being longer, does it then, do you find that then you get a more, the tracks are then got more, I guess, last ability, more kind of, they'll just stay with people longer because because you've spent that more time and they've been back and forth by three or pe- four people. and Yeah, that's the plan, I guess. And like to make the track as good as it can possibly be before it comes out. Whereas I guess these days, it's very easy to say, well, okay, that's done. That sounds fine. And then just release it with the ease of releasing everything. So yeah, that's the plan. Um, I mean, We've uh, the fantasy thing. Obviously, we're going to talk about this all a bit later, yeah. I guess. But the fantasy thing actually wasn't originally part of my deal. That's so. Actually, we've only I signed in last January, but actually, in my uh, personal deal, we've only released two songs. So cool. it's it's like that's what I mean. It's just all taking a bit longer than maybe I would like. But actually, you know, in the long run, it's probably for the best. So, but we'll see. We'll see. What when you when you get those little kind of rejections? Do you kind of how do you how do you process that and deal with that? Like, I know that a lot of people get here get like in the appeal in the audience will get struggle with it. Uh, I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I've been getting rejected since school. You know, <laughs> I wasn't the best with women. So, <laughs> um, <coughs> no. You know, it's just one of those things that you have to learn to deal with. Like, it's still, I could set a song that I really love and then nobody else be into it. And it can, you know, it can sting. It can hurt. It's like anyone. It doesn't matter how big you are. Mm. You still feel the same. The the thing, the way I process is, right, okay, leave it a few days, come back to it, listen to it with fresh ears and, like, critical ears maybe even a week and then you know especially with ultra to be fair most of their comments have been right after i've gone back and listened to it something i get you give advice a lot to people when they ask now is rather than just sending your track out as soon as you finished it while you're still hyped 
Mm. Let it sit for two weeks. I know it's hard because everyone's excited, but you come back to it and actually it's that, that method has actually stopped me from sending out a lot of music that, you know, it wasn't worth it basically. And that for you, for me, obviously it's a bit different at my point in my career, although I'm sure it does annoy people when I send them stuff they don't like. But if you're new and first time someone gives your demo a chance and like, it's not the best one that you've made, but you're hyped about it. So you send it, they probably won't be that interested in listening to your next demo. If they like, I, I feel like giving songs a bit of space is a great way to get over rejection or make sure that it's actually good enough. That's cool. Sam Lucas asks in the chat, if a label doesn't take it, are you inclined to self-release it if you're if you're passionate about the track or, or do you scrap it completely? Uh, it depends. It depends. I guess, Back your in deal, the I, guess you, I guess your deal would stop you, stop doing that, but it, yeah. Yeah, right now it would. I mean, well, my next single, That's Your Tour Room, it's like one of the three, um, which come out in a couple of weeks. But cool. uh, uh, I mean, with Ultra, obviously they're looking for a certain kind of record so they're going to reject all my club focus stuff or, or, you know, like really like dubby kind of stuff. So no, that wouldn't stop me from sending it to another label, but something I would maybe, and I'm, I'm a lot more conscious of now is people, listeners and, and DJs, like a thread almost with an artist these days, they like to associate people with a certain vibe. And if you release too much different stuff, like I'll sit here and maybe write a techno record Problem is, though, if I release a techno record after just releasing a, a bootleg of Tony Braxton, like, the techno people aren't going to listen to it to start with, and, like, the people who might have liked that track or the fantasy bootleg that me and Jamie has done, like, they're not going to like the techno record, so that's going to turn them off for your next release. So I think that, like, sometimes as an artist, you have to think, right, yeah, I love that track, but actually is this the right sound for me right now? And if it's not, you just shelve it doesn't mean you can't play it yes i agree that's wicked yeah i agree i, I so many people rush to put so many stuff out and then it's just like why are you releasing that drum and bass track when you're a house music producer exactly yeah like if it's on an album and you're like a bit more of an established artist it can be cool but yeah i, th- I think i think with the way the genres are these days it's so like you kind of have to play the game with the pigeonhole like I tried not to for so long and actually it just confused loads of people Well, I thought it made me look really varied and like, you know, that I could do everything. <laughs> but actually it just meant people thought, who the fuck is this guy? What's he all about? Kind of thing. So it, it's a tightrope to walk and it's one you kind of have to walk to get anywhere in this business right now. Do you feel you have to vary the kind of balance between club tracks and, and songs now more than ever? Yeah, I mean, I think something that has happened because of probably the lockdown, but also I guess it was going a bit more. Like you'll you'll see, like Alan Fitzpatrick do a do a disco edit, and then obviously he's known for doing techno. But like people were doing that because they needed to make, I guess, the money, but also keep their name out there without gigs. But I think that's a trend that's going to keep going. People people have got back into liking songs again when it comes to dance music, but obviously can't play them. I think there is, you do now have to do a bit of both. And I think that's really interesting. I think hearing, I was just listening to Melody's new vocal thing that came out on one of his labels that I can't remember the name of. And that's great. I mean, that's perfect. Like you can hear his kind of weird techno influence, but also it has a bit more mass appeal. And then, mm. then you hear like his techno stuff that he releases on Warehouse or whatever. 
which is yeah, which is hard as nails and fun and great fun to listen to. I love this. I love yeah, this exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. To be fair, he's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, so the, the first came up, track that came out was Tim Pan Alley. Let's just chat yep. about that a bit more. Um, tell us about it and ha- like, what's the process for you when you're making music? Let's talk about that as well. All right. Well, let's speak spe- about about this one basically. Yep. Um, so I made this. When was the first? Right in the first lockdown in August of the first lockdown, I think it was. And, um, uh, you know, Ibiza was shut and I wanted to write a track that I felt like was a bit kind of like almost like the Nine Tones record finder, like, you know, that just encompassed all the like Ibiza vibes with the steel drums and like a bit of like kind of tropical euphoric vibes. And nice. so I just sat down and I got a little steel drum thing and i started hashing out a really really basic melody but i was just like it just works that melody is just like to me quite catchy so then i just built it around those steel drums with the, and like kept the bass quite rolling and simple and the drums very upbeat and then added that kind of sample uh well that's from splice i think vocal no just, way. just give it to yeah yeah um to give it that like a little bit a bit of a flavor um, I have no idea what they're saying, obviously. Um, <laughs> I think it's in, in Portuguese, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, and so, yeah, just um, that was that kind of thing that, like, I find a lot of the time now, uh, and I didn't always do this, so I used to just start, you know, kick and then bass, but I like to kind of think about what I want to make. Normally, it kind of goes completely sideways when I'm actually sat there writing it, but normally, I write less now actually in the last couple of months than I used to because I just want to write now and I've actually got inspiration um, mm. when I'm actually feeling it and it, or, or a good vocal from a vocalist as someone sent me or or like, you know, when I've actually got like a vibe in mind. But before I just used to start with kick and bass and that. But like my best records have always come from a place of inspiration, like going back to Let Go, found that vocal, cut it up a bit, and had it looping and then i just wrote everything around that and like box clever like obviously it's got the uh the alicia keys vocal in it and stuff mm-hmm. so it was and that all kind of comes from like a place of inspiration and i found out that yeah i can just write a dance floor thing whenever i want mm-hmm. like most people can these days it's so fucking easy to write a tech record let's not beat around the bush about it so it's like i'd rather i'd rather like actually like when i'm actually inspired that's when i find i write my best music cool okay well let's listen to it let's get it on let's and then we'll carry on this is this is tim panelli So that was that was Tim Panelli. Next up was Man Enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, this was uh, just a little. I started this as just a bootleg to kind of play. Well, actually, it was just started a bit as a bit of fun. Really, I was bored, and I loved I loved the original vocal from Tony Braxton, and then uh, 
yeah, we uh, I just played in some kind of book of shady type chords and it just kind of grew. Again, this bit I let go, this took, only took like, I don't know, a few hours to kind of get to where it is now. And then I just chopped it about and stuff. And it was, yeah. And then we had, to, we obviously had to get it cleared, which was, um, you know, something I would never have been able to do without Ultra, which was great. Mm-hmm. And we got, we had to get it then re-sung. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's companies that will make it sound almost identical, like you probably know. But um, yeah, so that, and then we we did that as well. So it's not actually Tony on the track because I didn't want to pay loads of money, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah, and then it kind of, so it just kind of just came from a bootleg. I only showed it to Ultra as as a like, oh, check out this thing I just made as a bit of fun, and then they liked mm. it. That's sick. That's so cool. Um, amazing. You're only, these things are only taking you short amounts of time. That's mad. Well, quite quick. But like, I mean, you know, obviously mixing takes a little bit longer, although I didn't mix this one with this guy Chris Allen did. But no, well, I, I mean, I, I find if I've got a good idea, I'd rather like get it arranged out really quickly. Otherwise, I start messing around with stuff and like normally completely change the baseline like six times or the chords and then it just becomes something that I don't like so I'd rather like get a loop going that I really like and then finish it really quickly and then I'll leave it for like a week and then I'll come back and listen to it and then if it's worth kind of working on then I'll do like a few effects and you know tweak the arrangements and stuff but yeah I try and get it done as quickly as possible was so they they used to this so used to Chris Allen to master it. Is, you said you mentioned he was a kind of pop pop engineer. Is that more from a streaming point of view? That like just a certain he wants a certain sound, or is it? Yeah, mixing a house record and mixing a like commercial house record is quite different. Like from the tones and what what pops on radio kind of is different. Obviously, there are the, now or never. There's kind of like a thing like they're a bit more similar, but. For for me, I just got like I just couldn't get the mix right myself. So mm. this is who they suggested, and he's he been really good. He did this and he did fantasy, and he's doing my next ultra one, which is going to be called Shock. So like I just I just found he really like he understood the vibe. He he's from a dance music background anyway, but then mm. moved more into a mixing side of things. Um, he's done loads of stuff before, so it's just like. He understood it wasn't just sending it to a pop person; it was sending it to someone who actually knew how to take it and not and not overly fuck it. Up. That's cool. I'm just gonna say, the artwork on both is sick as well. Like I'm just looking at them on Spotify; they're they're so cool. Oh, nice one! Yeah, that was. Um, we tried to find a new creative direction. Actually, I found loads of weird photos of like blurred faces and stuff and we did a shoot in LA and then a guy called Mike did the artwork around those photos and they're really good yeah happy with them yeah really cool right let's listen to man enough
Well, that's amazing. There you go. Let's give that. Let's yeah, give nice that one. Yeah. Let's give that a thing. Let's give it the Hulk. Hulk! Smash! <laughs> give it the Hulk smash. And you can even have the rave one. Look, another rave one. Below. Nice. Wicked. I'm loving that. That's sick. Oh, I'm loving it. Cheers, mate. Yeah, nice. Yeah, started as a bootleg, bit of fun thing. And then, yeah, just came into that. I mean, yeah, it was really fun making that. I, that's kind of what I meant by before. I just I wanted to do it and it was just like a fun thing. So just made sense. I love that when bootlegs do that. I love that when kind of you they start as just like yeah a bit of fun, but then they turn into full tro- full blown tracks. And yeah, I love that when that happens. Yeah, me too, man. It's just um, it's nice, and like obviously, uh, I'm quite lucky. I'm, I've got access to quite a lot of vocalists, but like vocals like that just instantly bring you back to a different time as well for me. Like the originals. I do you know what? I've, I've tried to do a bootleg of that vocal like three times before and it's always just been a bit shit. So when I actually kind of got that going, I was like, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> um, someone else, Skelling Key's asking the chat, what music inspires you? Wow. That's a big one. Uh, that's huge. Uh, it kind of changes every day. Man. I like, I listen, I try and listen to a lot of new music in a lot of styles. I, I mean, I really like at home normally a lot of the time I listen to a lot of like soul and neo soul and kind of hip hop the, at the moment. Um, That's cool. But um, a lot of rave music still, like if we, I don't know if we're going to play the tool room on here, but you'll hear that that's been inspiring me quite a lot recently. And then I don't know, like uh, what I, something I, 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 I just, whenever I'm in the car, I try and put music on and new music and just like, it, that's such a tough one. If, if I was going to say what got me into making house music, it'd be people like Kerry Chandler and Shay Damier and um, those kind of guys. Because when I first heard about Deep House, which was actually a bit later, because I was into UK Garage and actually got into Deep House like quite a lot after. I was into Minimal, the original Minimal before that. I used yeah. to go so like people like Nathan Fake and James Holden and all those kind of guys. Obviously, when Domino first came out, mm-hmm. which like um, and then and then yeah, Kerry got me into it deep the deep stuff and nick curly you know, got me into the like techier like cecile Mannheim sound was really big for me i literally to love all that stuff and he actually gave me my first break as huxley um so yeah it was it's just it changes every day i would say just listen to everything don't like so many people just listen to house or just listen to techno and then of course your stuff's going to sound like everything else because that's all you listen to like the best music is like when you can hear people dragging in different elements from other genres for me, a bit more interesting, especially now, like how easy it is to release something. You feel like you need to try harder to stand out. That's cool. Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah. I listen to so much as well. I'm like, I go through phases where I get, I get back into guitars as well. I'm just like, I know when I'm getting, I'm getting a bit like just fed up with dance music. I just I have like weeks of, of guitar music and that's all I listen to it's just, I, I'm like I'm like and I, I realise I'm doing it I'm like oh I need to find some new music I need to find some new dance yeah, new yeah. artists that, that, that actually get me back into it otherwise I'm going to go too dark down the dark hole um, yeah yeah for sure um, but yeah Nathan Fake I remember those times that we had all those yeah, minimal stuff the minimal stuff at Terminals was mad we played, we so yeah I used to go to those yeah I love Terminals such a shame and the end as well I saw someone post about it being like 13 years or something since the end shut 
today or something like that, 15 years or something. I used to love that place and the key and the cross as well. I used to go out every weekend, basically. Yeah, the little little triangle of the key, the cross, Terminals Fabric. Oh, that was great fun. Oh, yeah, I loved it. That was like some of my favourite times, for sure, <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's, four, it's 14 years since Termos closed in a couple of weeks' time as well. Yeah, mad. Jesus. I love that place. That was one of my favourite venues. I'd love to have played in Termos. I never got to play there or the end, and I really, they're the two places I would have loved to have done. Nice. Yeah, Termos was always good fun. I think, I'm, yeah, it was good fun to play in there. I remember when I played to the cleaner once. That was always that was a laugh. We were literally <laughs> playing, playing. I used to be, on a Friday after after work. I'd, go, I'd literally like fire up the main room and go right. I'm going to play, and there'll be the cleaner sitting <laughs> on the floor. And I'm like, yes, I'm having it in the booth with the cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it's great that place. I mean, I, I I remember when I used to go and see Steve and Jello and uh, Sebastian and Grosso there when they were like before. What's it called? And they're all brilliant. Yeah, I was saying I was telling someone the other day, we booked them for two hundred quid. No way. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and and, ju- and justice as well. We we booked justice and they were like literally before they blew up and we played again, we paid two hundred quid for them. Let's get back to music. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Can we go the term was for whole too much? Right. Um also I didn't realise Fancy was an ultra as well, but yeah, Fancy came out with Jamie Roy and DJ Ray. Let's talk about that, because that's a big Obviously, you've remade the old Baby D track. Tell us about that. How it's important to collaborate with, with these days, even more than ever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so firstly, that Baby D record. I love Baby D. I actually went to see them <laughs> when I was like fifteen at Slamming Vinyl or something. Um, and that whole first out, that whole album's great. Um, so I, I was always a fan of of the song, and actually. Jamie and I have been friends for, and he's blowing up now, but he's, I've been, we've been friends for like almost 10 years, probably. Um, just like, you know, partying together or whatever. He loves a party, does our Jamie. (laughs) He uh, does, doesn't he? (laughs) Um, um, and we're actually managed by the same people now. Um, so it just came about and he'd just been signed to Ultra as well as me. Um, he, I can't remember the name of his first single, but anyway, they ultra wanted to he'd he'd started the idea already with dj ray and then they wanted to just you know they wanted a bit more on it a bit like we were talking about before obviously the a and r process so then i i came on it and i added my little bits and bobs and changed the arrangement and i just some synths and you know turned it into more of a collaboration and stuff and it just kind of went from there and then yeah, we they obviously cleared the vocal like Ultra can do, um, and yeah, so it was really fun. It was nice. It was nice. I kind of like stepped into the project after it started, which is not something that I've done loads of times in that way. Um, but it was re- it was a real fun experience, and and to work with Jamie as well after being mates for so long was great. That's cool. I didn't realise. That's cool. Did it happen? Did it happen over Zoom, or did you meet up and do, how's that? How did that work? I guess. Well, um, because it was lockdown. Um, pretty much when we started working on it and then I went to America for a couple of months so it was just over the internet yeah it was just over Zoom we did one Zoom session he sent me the stems I I did my bits and bobs added a bunch of synths and stuff and then sent it back then he worked on it a bit more and then it was kind of finished basically yeah no it was it was really good it was really good it's like I mean great timing for me I mean I would have done it whatever but obviously with Jamie blowing up off the bank back of all <laughs> it was perfect it was like nice timing for everyone that we kind of worked together and stuff 
Um, and it and it seems to be and it's been doing quite well. It's like loads of Spotify support, a bit of radio support. So yeah, it's been it's been nice. Like I, whenever you, with the Tony Braxton thing, I wasn't as worried because it was more of a cut up vocal and like I tried to do my own thing, even though obviously the mm. verses there. But with this, it was like a straight reading of a classic of a song that I I love myself. So I was a bit worried about what the uh, feedback would be. Um, but it's I have not had any hate mail yet, so. That's always a plus. Oh yeah, you must. It must be. Is it a nervous time when you when you take on such a big track and people are, like you say people love that. I love that original record so much, and people must, yeah. there must be thousands of people that love that. Do you do you kind of get a bit like what, day before release or day before it kind of starts getting out there a bit like what's this going to do? Brilliant. Like, yeah. yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, yeah, for me, for me, it was like a month before I got started to get a bit itchy, but. Um, <laughs> You know, we we kind of uh, I feel like we we it's so different from the original. We didn't try and re-add the piano and like do all that kind of stuff. Even though it's breakbeat in there, like could have gone either way. All how people felt about it, but you know, I also think probably a lot of the crowd that were into that song are not going to be listening to it, our, our version anyway. <laughs> so unless it gets really big, and then we'll probably get loads of hate. But fuck it. So no, it's it's been really good. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? This is the first time I've ever done. Like I've steer cleared of like I've done some, loads of sampling, but I've steer cleared of like straight remakes. And this is like the first one I've ever done. So it was wow. a bit nerve wracking. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let's play it. I, I want to talk about sampling. I'm always interested in sampling chat. So let's talk about that afterwards. But let's play this fantasy. There we go. Wow. Let's give that there the rave on. That deserves a rave on. The great track, the great one. <laughs> yeah, I love rave. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love the. I mean, I, I haven't actually listened to the original for a while, but I, think I feel like I need to after this chat. Yeah, I feel like I do as well. I haven't listened to it for a while as well. It's one of those ones that just comes on and you're like, oh, this is cool. I haven't heard this for a while. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Their whole album was great. I feel like they were, they're underrated. The rest of their songs are underrated as well. Um, but yeah, there's, there's there a go. whole album. I never knew there's a whole album. Oh my god! So we're going to try and find that album. Yeah, it's a great album. My brother had it. We were obsessed with a track called Casanova on it. It was brilliant. I always listen to the um, the Moby Moby album, the first Moby album, because that's mental. And so many people like skipped it and got to the second or the second or third ones with Lego and Porcelain and that. But the first album's like ravey as hell and I absolutely and techno. I don't think I've heard it. Oh, go and, go and listen to that. It's mental. Moby Moby. It's absolutely insane. All right, um, I'll check it. I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so it's so mental. I mean, uh, something that's funny from people like Moby, well, obviously, when you first he heard them, even Fatboy Slim to an extent, I guess I was so young, I didn't really understand sampling at that time. So, yeah. like, yeah, I didn't realise that, like, loads of Moby's samples and, like, loads of the Prodigy samples as well. 
Yeah. The early stuff. Yeah, kind of blew my I, mind. When I saw that video of Smack My Bitch Up, with the, uh, have you seen that, where they, they remake it in Ableton with all the samples? It's crazy. No, I've not seen that. That's cool. I watched. We watched the Daft Punk one. The Daft Punk re. What is it called? Daft Punk. Where are they? Where they show you all the Daft Punk samples. And I actually. Oh yeah. Me and me and Hobbs made a track literally after watching that, and and then that got Dolly released that track ages like twelve. Shit, that was twenty nineteen. Um, oh, wow. um. But we watched that one and kind of got got inspired by it. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I mean Daft Punk. Some of the, I mean, you could say that it's just like what well, a big sample in some of them, but like the way they've used it is like just just works so well. Sampling is such an art form when done well. Mm. You mentioned sure. you you you've heavily you've used it heavily. What what are your big tips for sampling? Let's go for that. Uh, proper do some digging don't go for the obvious ones there's so many like at the moment obviously maybe maybe it's dying out a little bit but for a while there just everyone and his dog was trying to do disco re-edits and they were all picking the same five disco records like there's a whole catalog out there which haven't been sampled or, or only bits have so spend time digging to find a sample like that's what I do. Like YouTube is great for digging. Just do deep dive. Just keep clicking on random tracks on the side. <laughs> That's how I found a lot of good samples doing that, to be honest. And then just rip them from YouTube normally um, or buy them from up somewhere else and then drag them in if they need to be better quality. But um, like... Yeah, that's one of my big things. Like, d don't be obvious. And also, like, sampling, you like... You don't have to use the whole sample. Maybe just find a tiny bit from that sample. It doesn't just have to be a loop. Like sampling can just be a key or like a, a tiny like for for a lot of some of my records for a while to add a little like groove. I was just taking a tiny bit from a disco record, like a little bass run, and just looping it, turning taking all the top end off, like and boosting the bottom end, and bang, you've got a bass like sick like rolling bass line, and that's. Nice. Like, so easy to do. Um, and I just find like things like splice and stuff obviously make, make it really easy these days. Splice though, like there's some amazing stuff on there and I use it all the time for like random bits. Even though I've got a huge sample archive, I always just use splice because it's just so much quicker. But the tendency there is to use the same vocals as everyone else. So I think you've got to do some real good digging on there to find something that people haven't used. Yeah, you, you see, we we get it all the time. You kind of oh yeah, I've had that vocal. Oh yeah, I've had that vocal. But and then but then we've had it on these streams where people have found some amazing blooming a gang in the chat. Who was it? The one that found someone found there was a guy they'd found a something on Splice and it sounded like uh, Chris Martin from Coldplay. And we were like, surely he's just sampled Coldplay. And we were like, oh, and he wow. was like, no, 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 I found it on Splice. And we were like, what? <laughs> yeah, <it was> really <laughs> that's crazy so he'd really gone digging and found this voice that sounded yeah it was mental and it was yeah it was mental obviously yeah i mean like, you can find some great stuff on there for sure it's definitely worth it like loop cloud as well is really good uh, yes i've heard I that mean, um but yeah it's like anything like i think i think sampling can be as creative as writing a riff on a on a piano or whatever as long as you're using it in the correct in like an interesting way filters, delays, the way you cut it up or whatever. For me, that's what excites me about sampling. So I'm just putting a loop into a, 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 a like, a, a, you know, an eight bar loop into a track. It doesn't really excite me in terms of sampling. I mean, it works, but you know what I mean? It's not the most creative <laughs> use. Yeah. Um, well, so you mentioned though, so that was 
that was two. So you've had you had two on your deal from Ultra so far. And then you've got the next. You mentioned the next one's coming soon. So the next, yeah, tall room on the fourth of February. Um, yeah, that called waiting. Um, we've got that. Yeah, which I don't know if you're going to play that. Um, which yeah, is a big kind it. of ravey, ravey techno thing. But yeah, that, yeah, this will be like I guess the first play. I haven't sent it out to anyone yet. Oh, exciting! Let's play it then. Let's play it. Tell us, we'll play it, and then we talk about it. Oh, wow, that was wicked. Let's give that the big old, yeah. Nice, nice one. Yeah. That was sick. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Kind of rave vibes. Start stuck on the rave vibes So um, with the piano and stuff. So, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It was fun one to make. Does that, do, I guess, does the process change when it comes to those sort of ravey things compared to the big songs? Yeah, I mean, I originally, uh, I, I wrote, I, I, I'm quite lazy when it comes to writing with my hardware. So, so sometimes I can't be bothered to stand up and like use my Juno or whatever. Um, but I, I, I started playing that riff on my Juno on my Juno uh, at home, and um, that's kind of, and it all kind of just came out of that. Really, I just kind of made it again the riff was really quick and then actually it took a bit longer to finish it up and like i had a few different versions and stuff like the extended mix is a bit more warehousey on the first drop but yeah it was really good and then we added the like and then i sorry i added the uh, high vocal thing and originally well i say we because originally i had a singer singing on it but it just didn't work so i got rid of her and then found that little waiting for you vocal on splice actually um (laughs) (laughs) and uh so yeah so and um that's so then it it was just born from that and then i you know i sent it to ultra they didn't want it because it was a bit too uh hard i guess and then yeah i've got a good relationship with matt and the guys at tool room so it kind of worked quite well i did a release with them called who says at the end of 20 night 2020 and it just is quite a nice lead on from that all the years are mad, isn't it? You're like, you're like, when was that year that I, what? Yeah. I know, yeah. Lost track um, of time, man. Cash asks, what did you use for the bass line? Was it analog or a synth patch? The bass on that, the stab, I think, is a one-shot sample with, layered with some sub and I think uh, an FM bass as well. So there's like three different sounds in that on the bass for this one. Sick. Um, any other um, questions, gang, on there before we jump on it on that tour room? Yeah, cool. That's bad. Um, and that's coming when that's coming out on the on the fourth of Feb. Next, that's t- next week. Yeah, wow, cool. Kind of ten Amazing. days away. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. yeah. Should be good. It's always fun, re- like releasing music. Um, um, so yeah, should be good. 
Fingers crossed. Cool. And then what's coming up the rest of the... I, I hear you, you've started a new side project. Tell, tell me about it. Exciting. Yeah, so it's called Piscean. It's me and the front man from an old... They were called... The style of music was called Grindy, if you remember that. It was grime I and do. indie. I do. And uh, they were called Hadouken. He was actually... Before he was in Hadouken, he was my MC. So we've known each other for years, and then he went off and did Hadouken. He wrote most of Hadouken and produced most of it. And then we kind of got back in touch a couple of years ago, well, three years ago now, and decided to write some music. He came down to the studio, and we just it really worked, so we carried on writing. So we've got a bunch of stuff now, and then we got signed to Ultra as well for four songs. Um, that deal's made not almost up, so we're now going to then start. We've just done a deal with label works to start our own label and then we're going to start releasing a lot more stuff the problem with that is because it we were such a small act for ultra we were just kind of overlooked a little bit so we've only put three tracks out in like a year and a half and when you're trying to build a new name you know that's not enough so quite looking forward to getting energized into it and like we've got loads of songs and you know should be should be cool uh so but the first three have done well like over a hundred thousand plays on all of them, I think, apart from one maybe, and that support from Selected, which was great. So yeah, it's been fun, and it's nice to write with someone consistently as well, and not have the pressure of it having sound like a Huxley record or like a Dukan record. We can kind of forge our own new sound together, and it's not just me on my own, like sat in a dark room trying to write. <laughs> bangers. Um, that must be nice. Which, um, which, which has been really nice. It's been refreshing, and it, we're both on the same wavelength, and we both know what we're good at, and like we both bring, you know. It's not like some collaborations where like you can feel like you're doing all the work. It's like we're both we're both better because of working with the other people. So it, it, it he's been, it's been really fun to work with him again, for sure. That's cool. I remember Hudukun because I, I was I was fully in the new rave zone. Like I still listen to the Claxons album now. I I love all that music, and they were kind yeah. of the end. They were kind of the end of that. Yeah, for sure. Madness yeah. time, weren't they? Yeah, no, they they did they, they I can't remember what their big song was now. Um, I can remember the one of the lines, but yeah, he um, you know they toured the world with that stuff as well, doing festivals. Because the original plan for this project was actually to do it as a live thing. But obviously, nice. we got the first we got signed during lockdown or just before it actually, and then we just haven't had a chance to do any live stuff yet so that's that's the plan in the future but right now just maybe think about that afterwards and like actually get the name a bit more out there kind of thing because i don't like it's quite a different sound to what i would say my normal fan base would be these days so it's kind of quite nice to restart again but we've been getting some good support like annie nightingale and stuff like that so it's been good that's cool. So then, okay. So then, you've had three releases on that, and that's part of the ultra. And then, and then you, you two are starting the label, Dumb Safari together. Is that the time? Is that right? No, no, no. So we're doing Piscean music, which right, um, cool. Just for that, but there, there's, that's just going to be our own stuff. I think mainly. Nice. Um, but we, he he does yeah, he does social media, and he's done social media for people like Sigma and Calvin Harris, and and he does. Um, he does a lot of uh, now. He does a lot of lyric videos and stuff for people like High, High Contrast and 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 people like that. So um, he's done all our videos as well, which you can look on YouTube under Piscean. But we're on the Ultra channel, which are really good. So that's going to really help us, I think, launch our own thing because we've kind of got all that in house, which should, which should be 
really uh, exciting. But yeah, so that's just going to be our own music. And then Dumb Safari is the label that I'm starting on my own. Um, the first release is what's well, going to be March, but like with all things, you know, in the music industry, it's fucking long. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's probably going to be, it's going to be April now. Um, I think, uh, so yeah. And we're just finalizing the first single. There's like two or three choices, um, uh, depending on uh, ones on the vocal clearance side thing. Anyway, there's a few options. So, but we're going to, I'm kind of like, you know, really excited. So that the plan for that is to kind of first couple are going to be probably my own songs that Ultra didn't want, but I still really like a bit like going back to those rejection things. And then after that, we're going to start signing some acts. Um, we got, we got good backing with label work. So my management company as well. So fingers crossed. I mean, I've owned two labels before, um, but I've always done it with other people. The first one was actually with a guy called Jimmy Huxley, Saints and Sonnets. Um, and we just went different ways musically. So it just wasn't working. Um, and I, we walked away from that situation, which was a shame, but you know, it is what it is. And then my next one, I started with my old manager. And then obviously when we stopped working together, it just kind of didn't make sense to carry on. So, but I, so I love, re- I've, I love running record labels, but this time I kind of done it on my own. So like, there's no one there else to like piss me off or, <laughs> or change the vibe. It's like, it's all my own, like it's all on my own, own shoulders with help from other people. But you know, it my it's my, it's all my creative vision, which I, I haven't had before. That must be nice. <laughs> I feel you as well. Yeah. Being pissed off by them. I feel you. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. You've, yeah, yeah, it's nice to have something that I can call my own, and like we're getting the logo done at the moment by um, by some an artist who I've whose stuff I've really liked, so um, called Way Jerry Chen and and stuff. So it, we've got I've got a whole plan in place it's for for it this time, and I'm kind of figuring something. I got a bit lazy around 2015, 16. I just kind of sat back and let other people manage my life basically, and it wasn't actually the best thing. So. Um, that's another thing lockdowns made me realize that I can do all this shit. Like it's lovely having management, but actually like the person that's most into, into your career is yourself. So you've got to be putting the hard work in as well. I was going to ask if that, that kind of change of ethos come out of lockdown. That's mad. That's cool. That's really good though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like also I think, but I mean, going back to what we were originally talking about, becoming a dad kind of makes you realize you can kind of do anything because that's quite a hard <laughs> yes. task. So it makes you grow up a bit. So I've realized now that like, you know, like <laughs> I need to be as focused as everyone else, if not, well, a lot more focused. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's been good. And, and like, I've been enjoy, I, I, I enjoy doing all of it anyway. I enjoy signing people. I signed Detroit Swindles first release. I did second city's very first release. Oh, <laughs> a few other people. That. That's cool. Yeah. So, like, I love the A&R per- I actually wanted to be an A&R person before this all kicked off. I did an internship at Ministry of Sound, um, which was awful, actually, because all I did was pack CDs and envelopes all day. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love I, I do love doing it. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's fun to get it going again. So the first release is going to be yours in April. Does that... Does that stuff on your own label affect the kind of ultra thing, or is that com- again completely separate? Well, because they've they've turned down songs, I can release them, but I only can you can do three 
three in the term of the option or three a year, depending what kind of change is. But but also you you can just uh, you can talk to them and they'll let you do more if it because it at the end of the day any release is going to be building your name hopefully right so yeah. if I do a if I do a song that gets good results say the tool room one all it's going to mean is my next release on ultra is going to do better than before because I've already got more ears on it than I would have done so they're, they're willing to work with you on this kind of thing I think these days especially for a dance act like unless you're say Medusa or something although they did release on defected but like it just makes sense because releasing on other labels adds cachet to the brand and then the brand is better and then the the major labels like it more because the brand's bigger anyway so it all kind of works hand i think these days people are a bit more forward thinking and they see the the the, the, the like you know the the, the, the real they realize how important it is to all work together in, in an underground sense and all and I guess because you're doing it on your own label, it's your everything you're going to do is going to you're you're more invested in it, so it's more going to help build your brand and your and your you basically. Exactly, and I, yeah, that's the yeah that's the thing. I mean, the the one thing that the one thing that I on this why there's three tracks. The one thing, the tracks that I've picked, but it's quite important to send them to. I've sent them to a few friends who are quite honest because mm. obviously. <clears throat> it's your own label so technically you could just do whatever you want which is the whole point but then also maybe sometimes what you want is not actually the right decision so it's good to have like a few <laughs> like people who are honest and tell you no 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 that like that's the wrong way to go or whatever um so yeah but it's, it, it does mean you can control how it's how it looks and you know how it's released into the world which i think is important that's cool how many uh so what music are you signing let's talk about the label then what music are you signing who are you signing like how are you signing tell me all about this the signing process okay we haven't signed we haven't signed anyone yet because it kept getting pushed back and pushed back but i've got yep. a few people in mind who i want to sign who i'm not going to say because i don't want anyone else to sign music cool. from them which is obviously very selfish but yeah so we because it kept pushing back i know how annoying it is when things kept getting pushed so if i signed something last year and it wasn't even on the release schedule yet i know i'd be getting really fed up so the plan is release the first two get the ball rolling and like before i've released the second one i'll have probably the third one i've got you know i'm going to call in a few favors um from some of my friends see if they what their deal is um one especially um so ho hoping that's going to be the third release um but we'll, we'll see and then a few people owe me some remixes as well so gonna get some like groove armada owe me a remix from years ago said Zito. like so <laughs> we got some we got some like cool names that you know they're about to get an email from me reminding them that i did a remix <laughs> for them for free like five years ago <laughs> um so so yeah it's good it, i've got like a whole plan in my mind there's a the, the ethos of the label is obviously i want to bring interesting people through up and comers, but then you do obviously need a few like established names as well because that's how you build it into a serious brand. That's cool though. Um, and then focus wise, like platform, like is it sales or streams or mix or Bandcamp uh, or? Uh, well, it's just, it's, I don't think I'm cool enough for Bandcamp or cassettes. <laughs> um, I've got the hair, but not the beard <laughs> or the moustache for Bandcamp. So yeah, I don't know. Like the first, the first one. It is so hard because, like these days, 
you want you want to do well on everything, but really, I guess the main focus is always going to be Spotify because that's the thing that builds people these days, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, yeah. or, or at least maintains you. So, I mean, I like tracks with vocals and stuff anyway, anyway, and stuff that lends itself to being being that way. I don't know; it's it's such a difficult one. I I, I mean, I just wanted to do well everywhere, basically, <laughs> but it, 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 it's going to be kind of club focused, club focused, but like there are going to be some songs on there as well. I mean, it's, it's going to be house music basically in its purest form and, and like encompass any kind of range within that spectrum rather than say it's tech house label, it's deep house label. You know, I think I, the only th- the sound of a label for me kind of comes over time normally mm. and like the people you sign. So we'll see. It's, um, I've got big plans for it, but it just whether or not they come off. So we'll see. And I'd like to turn it into a night at some point. It's a cool name for a night as well. Actually, yeah, you can, you can, yeah, you could. Like when you start saying things, you can see you go, oh yeah, that'd be quite cool. And oh yeah, it'd be quite cool merch. And oh yeah, nice. Was- yeah, yeah, my, um, I actually almost used this, but my mate um, Ethel, who I first released with, used to do a night called. Uh, the Museum of Stuffed Animals, which I always thought was quite a cool night name. That's amazing. Yeah, That's it's a, a really sick cool name. name. I, I almost stole it. I mean, we, the reason he called it that is because we grew up in a place called Tring, and Tring was owned by the Rothschild family, and they have a stuffed animal museum there, and they've literally got fucking everything in there, from no whales way. to fleas with clothes on, everything, yeah. No way. That's not far. That's only down the road from me. I'm in Milton Keynes, so it's not far. It's not far. Yeah, from yeah. Me. It's a great day out with a kid. I'm just thinking that. Out. Yeah. <laughs> great. I'm doing that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah, look at, check out the fleas. They're like dressed in clothes. It's crazy. Yeah, so anyway, that, but I always thought that I almost stole that name. I, well, not stole. I asked him if I could use it. But then Dumb Safari um, was actually a song of mine and Sam Russo's, and I really like the name. So I just thought, right, let's turn it into a label. They're, they're going mental in the chat about the fleas. <laughs> they know. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I'm not wicked. Um, that's interesting you say about Spotify uh, kind of build you as an artist. That's mad. Um, I agree. Well, I, 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 I agree. I agree with you massively, but there's loads of people obviously that don't. And yeah, it's good to hear it, I guess, as well. Well, I think, I mean, I can remember when I, a few years ago, I I could see that it was going that way. The way that they publish figures of your streaming, you can kind of see a real life, how popular someone is, not just social media likes and stuff. Mm. So for me, it's a great barometer of actually who is popular and like what songs are actually performing well. Like Beatport, you know, Beatport still important for sure, but I, I mean, I I think it's. I don't think it's as important as getting on the right playlist on Spotify now. And if you don't get on those playlists, a lot of the time, you're, it doesn't matter who you are unless you, it, you know, you have to focus on it now. Like it has to be where you drive most of the traffic rather than Beatport. I mean, you make fuck all money selling records on Beatport anyway. So there are all these people complaining about uh, streaming like money you know it spotify the songs these days are almost just like an advert to for you to get a gig in a way in a lot of ways if you want to make like big money from it so i'm not really fast that i'm not making loads from spotify because like as long as i'm getting the bookings that's all that kind of really matters 
it's discoverability is always what is the word I use for it always all the time. Yeah, for sure. No, that's completely right. And it doesn't mean that people are enjoying listening to the song any less. And that's kind of the whole point, isn't it? You're making these songs for people to enjoy. Do you, um, obviously you've made a few of these radio edits. Do you, do you find that a challenge or do you like, obviously cause it's a no, I love process. it. Do you? I, lo- I love, right. I love their radio edits because it, and it's actually helped me a lot because it makes you cut out all the shit that you think is great. And then actually like, it's just guff or like, you know, <laughs> the like boring little bits in the middle of a record that you use to transition that have just been there for years. It's just quite a cathartic way of cutting down and making the bits that are meant to stand out in a song stand out and like, you know, in a concise flowing way as well. Like some people, I can remember when radio edit just used to be you cut out the like DJ mixing bit and start, then cut out the like beats at the end. And then that was your radio edit. Whereas now it's quite fun to kind of, you don't obviously have a completely different arrangement, but you can read, you do, I do find myself moving bits around in the radio edit to the extended mix to make it like a bit more concise and work. I love it. I love writing doing the radio edits. That's really cool. Gang, those of you who've been struggling in the chat, who's been struggling in the chat, let me know, because that was mad. I enjoyed that so much. I'm glad to hear someone that actually enjoys it, because I know everyone, so, so many people moan about it. So, great. No, yeah, I, I see that. I see that on, be- oh, not people, I see that on Twitter all the time, people complaining about it. But like, there's no reason, like, you just, I don't understand why you would dislike it. It doesn't mean the extended mix has to go away. It just means you're making something that's, like more focused on the song, hmm. but you know that's just me anyway. I agree with you. Someone asked a question earlier. What did they ask a question? Surround sound. Can I ask about Sambaru and working with the choir and tribe samples? Okay, oh, that was uh, I did that as part of a, a different online platform. Yeah, basically, it, it was a it was a I was a tutor. Um, yep. Well, I was the web, web host for that, and they sent me the samples, and I did that. Re- I did that version live um, over four sessions, wow, four cool. hours. Um, so, I first session was obviously I kind of I can't remember if I checked out the samples first or not. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of that. That was quite a fun thing for to do because I had those one hour sessions every Thursday or Wednesday, whenever it was, and I kind of had those sessions. So I had to like right in this session, I'm gonna do the idea next session was arrangement third session was mix and then and then yeah um effects and stuff so it was really fun and like those samples were great because they were directly from a tribe in kenya um, no way. which was which was really really cool so um actually funny enough it was really weird so i got asked to do it for them and then they said right we've got these samples um and uh turns out i met the guy who had who made the samples when i played in kenya so uh, no it was quite a weird thing, yeah. But that was really fun. That was really fun because it was like a bit of a challenge for, for me as well. And also to do it on live stream with people watching me make music was a bit terrifying. But, you know, <laughs> it, it came out all right, thank fuck. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, it was, a, it, was, it was a fun experience. I mean, I love doing stuff like that. It's interesting. Um, and now, you know, lucky enough Push to get out of comfort zone, I guess yeah and i think that's good and like something i mean obviously i travel quite a bit I'm, i never was never used to be one to write on the road but it's a bit like that i love doing that now because like you can write music just wherever you are and it will always give you a different feeling if you're sat you know in spain or in the studio my, my studio here is 
pretty makeshift to be honest because my iMac died so I'm using like my MacBook Air at the moment and uh, and a TV monitor for my screen and stuff so <laughs> it, it's taught me that I don't need loads of stuff um, but uh, yeah it's good that's cool right what questions have we got in the show uh, sailing keys can you give us your must plug in plugins you've been using recently Omnisphere is always something that I use in pretty much every track. I love the that and Trillion. They're great plugins um, for pretty much everything. Um, but also, I have been getting into Portal quite a lot, which is obviously um, uh, uh, which is a contact thing, which is really cool for like weird little sig- uh, signal. That is the one I use. Um, and it's really, it's a really cool little contact instrument. It's kind of great for like, um, proggy vibes. You can fuck it up in different ways. I suggest getting that. That's really cool. If you like something, things are a bit trippy. Um, what else, what else have I been using a lot of recently? Um, that's, that's all I can think of off the top of my head really um those three and then i use serum a little bit for bits and bobs i just i just re-bought the um korg m1 collection uh, m1 thing because uh, i was using a contact for my m1 and then my imac died so i needed the piano back in my life so uh, yeah just like because i'm in a bit of a state of flux at the moment i'm kind of like only using what i've got on my laptop so it's quite um quite small but yeah omnisphere uh, uh, omnisphere and uh trillion uh, always cool. like it really uh I, he's followed it up any processing plugins as well any processing plugins um again i'm uh, uh, well i use a lot of the for compressors and stuff i actually use a lot of the logic i love the logic compressor i think that's really 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 good um again um i do like the uh, space design and reverb as well that's really cool, which is a logic thing. But outside of that, Fab Filter um, stuff, I love the EQ. The EQ is like a must-have, the Pro-Q, any of them. But I'm on the Pro-Q 3. Um, just the way that you can hone in on certain frequencies really easily with how it works, I love that. Um, and what else? Uh, I would used to use a lot of the Waves SSL channel strips, but I don't have them anymore. Uh, and sound toys, uh, little plate and echo boy, but that, that's kind of it. And then, Oh, the fab filter limiter is really good as well. Um, for that kind of thing, fab filter, all of those, that whole bundle actually is great. It's definitely maybe in black Friday cause it's quite expensive, but it's definitely worth it. <laughs> yeah. Go on the black Fridays. Sam Lucas, do you have any tips for kick and bass relationship? I'm not going to go too much into it, but there's a great, plugin actually called track spacer where you can side chain frequencies to each other so you would put the track spacer on the bass and and then side chain it to the kick and that's really 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 good for a kind of quick fix in terms so you're not just side chaining it it's actually side chaining the frequency that's that's a great plugin it's a it's a real time saver that that is what i would suggest looking into and then and then I mean, I I just feel like it takes time. Apart from that, but that 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 plugin is really great. I would get that. Cool. Um, and then a big one for me. Um, I was at Tool Room a while back, and Pete Griffiths said something to me that's that's stuck with me a long time. Like when music becomes your hot your hobby, basically, is music, and it becomes your life. 
what you have to have other hobbies to get you out of that to kind of break you out of that and get you into a different mindset what are your other hobbies well this is quite a funny conversation i was having this conversation with someone the other day so i do have obviously have other hobbies i'm not like completely one-dimensional but like my, my my hobbies are kind of going out for food or to be honest, like, that sounds a bit wanky. Nice wine. I'm really into red wine. Um, nice. It's not really a hobby, but I've started exercising again, and I've found that's actually really helped with my mental state in terms of writing music and obviously starting this label. That's been really helping actually get focused. Getting out in the morning, I was just being really fucking lazy, like, basically, <laughs> and eating loads of food and got really fat. Um, so I, yeah, started exercising again, which I'm really actually enjoying. Um just running at the moment, which is great. And um, nice. it's nice. And, yeah. So I run a, I would I say run a lot. Like, yeah. I run a lot too. Yeah. Well, um, where, where, tell me what you're running, where, where, how far well, are you? I, I, well, so I, I, before I was touring, I used to be doing like an hour running every day or something. Um, I used to be really, really thin. Um, you know, touring has obviously yeah. changed that. <laughs> um, so uh, I've only been running again for about um, uh, about three weeks now. And I'm, l- I'm lucky where I am. So where I am, I can see the sea and there's like a boardwalk. And so you can run around and there's like oh, a really cool that's... loop. So I'm doing that. Nice. So at the moment, I, I started at like, but, you know, easy. I was really unfit. So like 10 minutes and now I'm getting to like half an hour or something and coming back and do it. I mean, I really, I always used to love running and I, but I never used to like running on the road because mm. it always, but, but I'm into it now. So that's a boring hobby, but that's one of my hobbies. That's literally one of my, my main hobby at the moment. I love running and I, I run, yeah. I, run, I run such a long way last year and wicked. I think we're there. I think we're there. Has anyone else got any questions before we finish? Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Perfect. All right. Great. Oh, thank you so Glad much for joining me. Yeah, me too. No, it'd be so, great. Uh, I've been waiting to do this for a long time, and thank you so much for for taking the time. It's been amazing fun. No, no, yeah, it's been great. It's been a breath of fresh air when it comes to doing stuff like this. It's been really fun.